What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Threes of Crowd podcast, episode four. As you can see, it's our first ever in-person episode. Uh, Ray's back from law school. We got him for a little bit here, so we'll have one episode in person and then back to the normal. Not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Whatever they said. I'm I'm very happy to be back. Um, I was just craving sunlight. I haven't seen the sun in like four months. So it's very nice to, it was nice to exit the airport and feel that humidity that um, I guess we've complained about our whole lives, but it's really a blessing, man. It really, really is. It's, it's brutal out there in the Midwest. You know, you, not a place you want to be, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have Ray back. Um, today's episode, we're going to be talking about sports, a little World Cup, football, basketball action. We're going to be talking just a little Twitter update and what's going on and a little bit more about that tech industry. And then Nick's going to round us off with a little update on the cigar industry. Um, but I have something pretty exciting. We have our first sponsor for the podcast. So I'd like to pass it over to Nick to introduce that sponsor. How's it going, guys? Um, so I own a cigar company called Admago Cigars, if you didn't know. And uh, for this pod, uh, for any of you listening, we want to offer a 15% discount site wide. The code is Threes of Crowd. And that code will be down in the link below. And uh, the URL for the website will be in the link below as well. And we'll kick this pod off with uh, with a cigar for each of us. Thank you, Nick. Let me, let, me, let me just say that I have been waiting for the day to smoke a cigar on the pod, man. Oh, the pepper, the box press. I love this one. Uh, I uh, Yeah, dude, I see Nick, I see Nick smoking the cigars in the, in the episodes. And I just get so jealous because... I can't smoke in my apartment complex anymore. There is a fire, and uh, I have a balcony, um, which would allow, which is usually where I would smoke my cigars. Um, but now smoking on the premises entirely is prohibited. And what do you guys? What do you guys think? Be honest and leave your comment below. Should Ray still continue to smoke a cigar on his on his uh, porch? On his, it's technically his front porch. Um, you know, I think he should. Ray's not going to start a fire. Ray's a responsible smoker. Guys, let us know what you think. Should Ray continue smoking? Dude, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get evicted, and, like, that is just... But if you guys want to see him smoking on the pod, he's got to do it, right? <laughs> Whatever. Hey, man, I was actually just waiting for to, for to be here to do it, you know what I mean, with El Mago himself. Special moment. While we're lighting these up, we'll take the time to say, if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe. If you're listening on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter... Um, Spotify, Apple, wherever you, wherever you listen to your podcast, we don't discriminate. Give us a follow. I'm gonna, I'm give us some up. feedback. Big athletic here. Where are you going? Give him a little plug. There it is. Look at that detail. This is the. Contrast. For anybody not watching with video, 
Ray is pressed up against the camera, giving a little <laughs> detailed view on the cigar. So if you aren't watching on video, I think you should. Um, oh and I, with that, I think I think we should lead off with letting Nick give us a little background, maybe tell us about the company and things like that. Let the viewers kind of understand what they're buying. Sure. So um, I created Admago Cigars about close to two years ago. And I actually, um, it, it was a a, uh, a brand that was created as a tribute and as an honor to my grandparents, who, uh, for those of you who aren't from Miami, there was a, a building called the Champlain Towers uh, in Surfside, Florida, which is gen in the general Miami area. Um, and this, this building collapsed. Um, there's a lot of uh, theories on why it collapsed, but regardless, it collapsed, and unfortunately, my my grandparents were in the building, and they they passed during the collapse. And so, um, since my grandfather uh, was from Cuba and smoked cigars his whole life, and then uh, ended up introducing me to cigars here in Miami when I was 16 years old, I decided to make a tribute to my grandparents by creating uh, a cigar company, and I named it El Mago, which in English means wizard or magician. And what I did was I took the first two letters of each of their names, M-A for Maria, G-O for Gonzalo, and I combined them to get El Mago. And as uh, you guys just saw, Ray put the cigar up close. That's an actual picture of my grandparents back in Cuba um, on the, on the uh, cover of the label. And then in the back, right behind it, yep, right behind the picture of them is a hotel called the James Hotel, which is a hotel that my grandfather bought uh, here in Miami Beach. Um, in 1989, and uh, so that's a little that's a little background on on my uh, cigar brand. And our cigars are Cuban seed cigars, and they're grown uh, and uh, rolled uh, in Esteli, is the city in Nicaragua. And we bring them here to Miami, and we smoke them, and we love them. I just want to say that um, Andres and I were here. I mean, we were all you know with Nick throughout this process of him kind of incepting this brand and the amount of thought and detail that went into these, these cigars and these labels, like it was months and months and months of back and forth, back and forth, setting designs, getting different blends, trying different cigars. I mean, this, this, this brand has been very well thought out. And right now, uh, and Mago's in, in four different states, five different states. Um, six now. Six different six states. different states. Uh, Around fifty shops, fifty different fifty different shops, and then and then we sell online as well. And then we're also online on Neptune Cigar, uh, NeptuneCigars.com. And um, I got to tell you, my uh, my number one out of state sales rep is this guy right Ray Dorda. Next to me, Ray Dorda. Ray's <laughs> killing it up in Kansas. Um, shout out to. Shout out to Kansas, big, big, uh, big cigar state, which I, I didn't know, but um, they uh, they like to they like to they like to smoke some some, some premium tobacco over there in Kansas. Yeah, um, it's actually like I figured there'd be there'd be like a big barrier into selling cigars. You know what I mean? Like, it, like it'd be like very competitive. It would just be like kind of difficult to enter that market. Dude, literally, it's, it's harder here in Miami. Oh, it's absolutely it's way harder in Miami. Way harder saturated market whereas in kansas i i show up with you know a miami colored cigar and 
you know, Game someone that's kind of, huh? Game over kind of. Like, yeah, I mean, like, and, and someone that is just isn't like I'm not the prototypical cigar sales rep, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not an old guy. Like, I, I don't, I don't have that raspy voice. I don't have like the intellect that someone else would have in the cigar industry. Yet, I've, I've been able to sell a good amount of boxes in a couple of months. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I mean that's also true. I mean, I've, I've, you have, as part of the business, you have to give out samples, and literally every person I give a sample to has bought cigars for me. And I mean, you know, I think that says a lot. Um, just the the immediate feedback, because as Ray just said, uh, and I think a good word for it is that the cigar industry is antiquated, and most of the people within the industry are old. And have like endless amounts of money because you know they've been in a sort of niche business for a very long time, but it's a lucrative uh, business for them, and they're kind of like uh, they don't—they're not the best at trying at changing their way. They're very traditional, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the people, especially Miami, it's it's hard for them, and they don't want to respect someone younger. Of course, uh, yeah. You know, and because they, right, you know, they feel like whether, you know, you don't know what you're doing or you haven't earned respect yet, but that's that's a big barrier to entry. And then, but it's always worth going through that tough process with some, with certain retailers who, you know, kind of kind of want to buck you and want to, kind of want to, you know, uh, make you, I guess, make you prove yourself. Um, but it's always worth it because... Once you get through there, you get to the customers, and the feedback right. has been phenomenal. Um, you know, people people like things that are different, and the tubes, the concept, the story, um, everything's pretty different. So, I like to say that I'm uh, renovating humidors in 2022, bringing some bringing some color into the humidors. That is an awesome way to put it, for sure. Um, I say we just flip the episode around, and instead of ending with the cigar talk, let's just keep the topic rolling and. Kind of give us a little update on what's going on in Nicaragua now that you're so involved over there and maybe some of the industry things that you've been hearing going forward. Mm-hmm. So there's a potential problem for the cigar industry as a whole. And for people who don't smoke cigars, you may not you may not realize it, but a lot of people, people smoke a lot of cigars. A lot of cigars are imported. A lot of cigars are smoked. Over 100 million cigars are imported from Nicaragua every quarter. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about close to half a billion cigars are imported every year from Nicaragua. And Nicaragua, um, you know, they're not on good terms with the U.S. right now, specifically because they uh, allowed they allowed Russia uh, during this Ukraine-Russia uh, war, they allowed Russia to put some equipment and some, some gear um, on their on their land, in their country. And the U.S. didn't take that very kindly. And the U.S. is considering um, banning all, potentially all, but many um, imports by June of next year from Nicaragua. And um, they've already significantly increased the, um, the, uh, the import tax on sugar from Nicaragua. So that may be like a, a little bit of a, of a cripple to the cigar industry uh, temporarily because a lot of the really big companies operate there, um, specifically out of Esteli is, is the city. Um, so a lot of, you know, if if that 
does end up happening where, where the U.S. kind of shuts Nicaragua down, you're going to see a lot of people start going to Honduras or going to the Dominican Republic. Um, maybe maybe some people will go to Ecuador. Um, I was going to say, is there a way to like circumvent that? Like, Can you still grow Nicaragua and then have it imported through Honduras? Right. Okay. That? And, that's, and that's the other thing that I, um, I spoke about. Uh, with uh, with my with my partner in the business, um, so yes, you can still do everything in Nicaragua like you did, but then you're going to have to do you know jump one hoop. You're going to have to send it to Honduras or send it wherever, and then bring it to the states, which would probably pretty significantly increase the price of cigars. And you're going to be paying double tax essentially, right? You're importing it into two different countries. Two different countries, yeah, yeah, and so. So, you know, that would be tough, um, tougher on the market. Um, I know cigar prices have gone way up in the last several years and they're continuing to go up like November 1st of this year. Um, Altidus, which, which owns all of the traditional Cuban brands that, that everyone knows, Romeo and Juliet, Monte Cristo, they raised everything across the board 10 to 15%. Um, and they're actually, they're now a Chinese, a Chinese owned company um, and they're pretty much a corporation. And Padron Cigars, uh, which is uh, which is uh, a Miami uh, a Miami based brand, they raised everything across the board. I believe it was nine percent, and their cigars are already, on average, around the mid twenties per cigar. Wow! So for, for some people that don't know, that's a pretty expensive cigar. Um, yeah, you, the majority of cigars are anywhere from I would say eight to fifteen dollars. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty good range. Right around there. Yeah. I guess I guess the, the the real question is you know tobacco has a like there's a huge influence of tobacco in the U.S. right now right like whether it be cigarettes cigars like tobacco is a huge industry big tobacco is well and alive right do you think that just outright banning any imports from Nicaragua is like like a feasible option like just based on how big of how big tobacco is in the U.S. Um, just making it harder for people to get access to tobacco. I mean, I don't know. I can't, it would, you know, the companies would be able to, to figure it out. They'd be able to get around that. They, you know, I mean, it would be a hit for sure. Like I know, I know a lot of the big companies, they, their, their base, their headquarters, which is, which is massive is in Nicaragua. There's, um, there's a, uh, the biggest growing company, um, which is called ASP. They own like 70% of the farms in Nicaragua. And I don't, I think they, I think they have some land in Nicaragua, but it, I mean, it's going to be a big hit to the industry, no matter what people are going to be able to, to adapt. And I'm sure the other countries are going to be willing to take everyone in because it brings in a lot of money because a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of cigars made. Um, but it, it'll hurt Nicaragua a lot more than it'll hurt, um, you know, whatever countries, whether it's Europe or the U.S., where the cigars are coming into, because Nicaragua will, will lose probably billions on that, whereas we will probably just end up suffering, a, I don't know, maybe a 20 to 30% price increase or something like that. Um, but, you know, it's weird how America looks at tobacco, because they look at tobacco as just broad, just tobacco. What's in cigars is just tobacco from the plant. They consider cigarettes tobacco, but what's in cigarettes is not just tobacco. There's 
tons of chemicals. And, you know, there's a, there, I think there should be maybe more studies done because that's the only way for things to change in America is the scientific proof and the FDA getting involved and all that process. But, you know, they, they regulate cigars almost as heavily as, as cigarettes. I think the only the only process that's easier is getting your wholesale cigar license and your cigarette license. Is, is, isn't it? Isn't it because they have uh, your cigars have a higher nicotine content though? Isn't that kind of like like the main? So, yeah, cigars have a higher nicotine nicotine content, and but the uh, the factor that I guess I guess it would be the FDA that they're avoiding is they're saying that the all the chemicals in cigarettes. It's they're kind of just not like noticing that there's a difference. Like, oh, cigarettes. So, so they, they treat them as the same, right? Treating them as the same, where it's not like not a lot of people get illnesses from smoking cigars because you cannot inhale a cigar. And, and I, unless I, you're I, a real, real serious, unless smoker. you're man, unless you like to throw up every day, but. <laughs> But cigars aren't inhaled, so even though they have a higher nicotine concentration, it's not absorbed into your body as much. And the, I guess, I guess I, you know, we could look at scientific data and all this, but in my opinion, what is the real cancer-causing thing is all the, all the chemicals in cigarettes rather than the tobacco and the nicotine, because tobacco has been around for thousands of years, and, and you know, in ritualistic medicine and all that. And so I think that's what the, the FDA fails to notice is the difference that there's a ton of chemicals and a lot of these chemicals are known, are known to be like completely poisonous. It's not like they can be potentially harmful. It's like, no, 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 this is poison. So they, I think that differentiation needs to be made. And I think that would, that would kind of ease up some things on the, in the cigar industry. And the last thing I want to touch on is uh, piggybacking on that is how regulated promotion of, of cigars are. Yeah. So there, everyone knows the, everyone in the cigar industry and maybe in anything, I don't know, people that like classy vibes, classy things know about cigar aficionado. Yeah. And it's like, a, don't quote me on this, but it's a ridiculous price to promote with them. It's like 75 grand right around there for half a page. It's like 125 grand for a full page and like 250 grand for two pages. And this is only in like three or four editions of the magazine for one page. And this is the way that many of the big guys promote their cigars because you can't promote on any social media or Google or anything like that because it's considered the same thing as, as a cigarette. It's just tobacco, it's broadly tobacco. Yeah. And so I'd like to see more studies done on the, on the on the on the health effects of cigars because I think it's the best form of smoking we have today. And just to touch on what Nick was kind of talking about there, he was referring to when you're running ads, like when you're getting these ads online, like when it comes to Facebook, Google, you're seeing all of these things pop up. It's not just random. It's it's because like if you haven't noticed, it's all of your interests, and there are laws against promoting tobacco and putting it front of customers because they consider it a high risk product. Um, so that's a hurdle in his field that he's having to deal with. It's not just like any other brand where, hey, I've got a ton of money, let's put a cool 
design on something and we're going to put a hundred thousand into ads and we'll sell it. We might not be profitable, but we'll still funnel in a lot of customers and move product and stuff like that. Nick's having to find different ways to push the product uniquely with word of mouth hustle and things like that, which make it a lot harder for him just because he doesn't have $75,000 to run an ad in this article at 24 years old, just starting a new company. And not to mention running that ad will get your cigar, right? Placed in that magazine. And that magazine will end up in probably every cigar shop in the nation. But does it mean that the stores are going to start calling you and putting in orders? No. no. Uh, and that's, that's, that, that's a good point though, because you could sell cigars to however many shops that you want, right? But if the person behind the counter is not in love with your cigar, is not in love with you as an owner, not in love with the story, they're not going to push your cigar. Consumers are not going to buy it. They're not going to reorder, right? So, like, a lot of what I do, of what I've done, rather, is building that personal connection because of the size of the brand, like, 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 can't you can't do the seventy five thousand dollar ads? You can't do it. You know what I mean? Like you can't really advertise in this in, in a traditional way. You can't really market in a traditional way. So like when I'm going and I'm I'm selling cigars to X Y Z in Kansas City, I'm sitting there. I'm asking about his family. I'm asking him. You know, like like where'd you grow up? Like where'd you do this? Like this is a story. This is why we're doing this. Please try the cigar. Let me know what you think. Um, and that way, you know, you're building that connection. He wants to sell the cigars for you. He believes in the brand. You know what I mean? And uh, I've actually got been told that the tubes are sexy. So, you know what I mean? Not only do they fall in love with, you know, the product itself, but they fall in love with you as a person, your brand, and, and they want to help you out. And I think that's really, really important at, at this stage of, of the brand. Dude, and I think I think the nicest thing is when you go into a into a shop, and the owner or the manager or whoever's there, where they feel like an extension of their customer, where they actually care about what you're doing as a whole instead of just the business aspect, the the, the dollars, and because you know when an owner is an extension of their customer, I think that's when the product always the result is always the best. They end up selling more, which is what they want in the first place. And then their customers build an appreciation for the product yeah. uh, and what goes into it. And so, you know, it's like you said, that's really rewarding when you get to actually talk to someone like they're a friend or like they're someone who's just honestly curious about what you've built and, and, and they want to know, you know, whereas sometimes I have to go into a shop and I have to kind of, in a way, throw the things I care about out the window. You, you have to prove yourself. I you have to like myself, sit there and prove yourself. Right, because people are just looking at the at the design. Okay, people will buy that. Okay. What's the price? That, and that's, and you know, there's, there's your business guys that are like that. And, you know, it's, it's not as fun, um, but it's kind of something that you have to do because, you know, it's going to be rewarding when it gets to the, to the end, to the customer, who's going to be the one who appreciates it. So... Been a, it's, been a, it's been a fun journey. It's, it's been a good down, yeah. but it's, it's been, been yeah, I've learned so much. Awesome. Yeah. And, and just to toss it in for anybody who has a business or wants to start a business, um, this is a perfect example of you don't need all of this crazy money to go in and 
run these advertisements, sometimes just bootstrapping it and going store to store like Nick does will work. Dude, and Nick it, does this every single day. Yeah. Like this, and if you have, if you're, if you're putting out a quality product, which so many people fail to do, they're so quick to just run over a bunch of hurdles and go just put something in the market without putting time. We watched Nick spend five plus months on the designs, the colors, the scheme, the labeling, the product. And it shows when you get the product in hand and you see the tubes and the boxes and it shows in the volume of sales that he's been able to do just going store to store and having these repeat customers. So if you're interested in starting a business and wanting to get out there, don't be discouraged thinking that you need tons of money, focus on the product, build something that you enjoy and go out and just hustle. Don't quit after a month or two months. Nick's been at it almost a year now, nonstop. And he can speak for himself, but as somebody who's usually around him most of the time, you just see the constant growth and the hard work paying itself off, which is extremely rewarding. So don't be discouraged. Go out there, try your best, focus on the product, and you will be rewarded for your hard work. I mean, I will say, I, I don't know what I was expecting when like how, like how your business would function. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't really, I didn't, I don't know how I saw, like, I, I definitely didn't see you going store to store every single day. And like, that is wildly impressive to me that you wake up every single day and you find a new place to sell your cigar. Like that is wildly impressive to me. Like, I don't like that takes so much grit, dude. Like just like, cause people don't handle rejection. Well, they don't. And then you become discouraged when you do, but it also builds character. You can't, you can't take it personally. You can't, you can't, everything's a business dude. And it's, it's like, I am so impressed by Nick. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm like, dude, this guy's getting up every day. He's grinding. He's grinding. Like everyone, everyone gets up every day. They're grinding, man. All, all the boys are grinding every day. Yeah, it's um, inspirational. Oh, and I want to, I'll end the topic with something funny. So sometimes, sometimes you get the runaround from a, from a guy and it's usually, it's usually not, it's usually the guy who's not oh in charge. Boy. Oh boy. It's usually the guy who's not in charge. So I had a guy tell me, hey, leave me a sample. And sometimes there's 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 guys that they want you to leave like a lot of samples because they want free cigars and they don't really intend on, you know, returning any, any, any type of uh, promise for those free cigars. And so, <laughs> so it's awesome because I did, I did, I did everything that I was asked. I got in connection with, with this guy and, and I left him a cigar at the shop. I went, I drove, I drove 60 miles to him, gave it to him. It was very, you know, it was a very nice, uh, first, uh, first impression. We, we, hit, we hit it off great. And he said, we're going to get the cigars within the next couple of weeks. Well, I'm just going to fast forward to like two and a half months later where I was getting my leg pulled and then I needed to end up bringing more samples and more samples. I ended up telling this guy that, you know, hey, man, you know, what happened to your word? You told me this was going to happen, and he got very offended and told me, this industry, it's not for you. You're not cut out for it. And I told him, you know, again, that he promised this and he didn't deliver. And he told me straight up to go fuck myself. And here's the funny part. Here's the funny part. He's not the owner. He's, like, barely a manager. 
the owner has been friends with one of my good friends for like 30 years and my cigars are going to be in the shop. Now that guy's, <laughs> guy's going to have to work shit. <laughs> that guy's going to have to sit there and sell that cigar now. He's going to sit there and be like, oh, what do you think about these cigars? No, no, no. Mm, they're <laughs> awful. Everything comes around full circle. That's what at least I've learned. Somehow everything ends up coming around. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm the only one here that has not started a business. I've yes, started businesses, multiple businesses, successful businesses. Um, yeah, you're, on the, you're on the ground with sales. I'm, I'm on the ground with sales, right? But I haven't, I haven't accepted a business. You know, what I mean, I guess we could say this podcast is it would be the first business that. Like, yeah. I'm, and you're 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 different. You're in law school. You're specializing in the. the the hopes of owning your own business down the road. So I wouldn't say that you haven't well, no, started I'm, yet. I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm just saying that like we have two unique insights to yeah. you know entrepreneurs that uh, young entrepreneurs that, you know, a lot of people don't have that connection with, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Of course. So of I, course. I think, I think in a separate episode, we could you know, really delve into entrepreneurship and, and, you know, like what it takes to run your own business. Nick, Nick got into the weeds a little bit here, but I think like we could have a really like, impactful conversation between the two of you guys and me just like popping questions back and forth. Yeah. Let us know in the comments if that's something that you guys would like to hear because Nick and I have started individual brands. We've had the pleasure of starting brands together as well. Um, so if that's something you guys want to hear, I would, I don't, I can speak for myself and Nick as well. We'd love to dive into that type of stuff. That's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. We love that grind, the hustle. And at least for me, I would say the best part is turning something into nothing and it sounds kind of cliche, but it's extremely turning, fulfilling. Turning nothing into something. Something. Yeah. 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 Turning something, nothing into something. There it is. Um, it's so cool just to take an idea and turn it into a money machine. It's just so attractive and fun. And it's about, it's about, you know, adding value to people. Yep. And when you, and that's when, you know, that's when, um, cause if, if people start a business and don't think about adding value to someone going nowhere, it's going Jesus. nowhere because it's <laughs> horrible because you need, you need to add some, some value. So, you know, like, like on that said, when you, when you have, when you start with nothing, you have an idea of how to bring value to someone and then seeing it come to life. It's just, it's awesome. It's a great feeling. Because in a way, you're helping people in some way, shape, or form. Or you're providing them with a service or, you know, a product in my case, uh, that they can that they can enjoy. And it's well great. I mean not only that, but you're employing people that otherwise probably wouldn't have an opportunity to, to be employed, which is also a significant factor. That as well. In, yeah. in, you know, the global economy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's a good segue to jump over to the Twitter highlight, and then we'll wrap it up with sports, maybe flip the whole episode around. Um, just since we're on the topic of business. Saucy. Saucy. Uh, I don't know if you guys have continued to pay attention with the Elon Musk situation, but he's about three weeks into his seat at Twitter and seems to be going pretty well, actually. First major hiccup was the uh, Twitter blue system. There was definitely some flaws in that when that came out. Um, the Twitter blue system was the paid subscription where you were able to get a blue check mark on your name now, um, access less ads, have priority commenting on other people's um, posts. 
you actually now get a filtered section um, in your notifications for just people who are Twitter Blue subscribers. If you want to kind of filter out all of the random stuff, um, which I think is more relevant to people with big followings. Um, the issue was the impersonation. Anybody could get that. People still really associated that check with famous, credible, um, which is what it should be. But I think there needs to be a little bit of a differentiation. So there was some impersonation going on, which they acknowledged. They quickly retracted. They quickly retracted that um, subscription. Still having people with the Twitter blue option, but they're going back and trying to kind of punt this back to early December now to relaunch different colors for certain people. Um, there's a helicopter flying out there. <laughs> um, different uh, colors. We actually we argued about this over, over DM on Twitter. Yeah, Ray and I had a little argument about this over DM. On, um, on Twitter? On Twitter. Yeah, we were using, so we're on, on DM. DM. I, I, sent, I sent him a tweet that was from one of these verified accounts that, in my opinion, was... You know, it was just very realistic. Like, like they paid this. They paid for the uh, Twitter blue or whatever. They got that check mark, and they were tweeting things. And without really like looking into it, like if you just look at that tweet, you look at it and be like, "Damn, that's real!" Like that's a real tweet. Because to a lot of people before Twitter blue, that check mark signified some kind of yeah. reliability, some kind of you know, this is the official source. You know what I mean? Like if you see a Buffalo Bills Twitter. You see that check mark. Yeah. You you know that's the Buffalo Bills. Um, so we talked a lot about how through through DM how um, I could see a lot of you know regarding impersonation accounts where you know someone's pretending to be a Mago cigars and they're tweeting butthole pics. You know what I mean? Like That'd I could be a little see, bit issue. I could see it'd be a tremendous issue. I could see de you know defamation claims coming out, libel claims coming out, and I don't know. I feel like through enabling people to make themselves legitimate, a legitimate source, you're opening yourself up to a world of just liability in that sense. And I don't know whether you disagree with me on that point or not. I think I think more so you're disagreeing with me on the point of the legitimacy of the check mark. Well, speaking of legitimacy, are they gonna do anything about the fact that uh, LeBron keeps claiming he's reading these books and he's not reading them at all? For anybody that doesn't know what Nick's talking about, look it up. LeBron James has been caught lying multiple times on like interviews and things like that for the stupidest things. And it's like an ongoing joke that's, that's with my us. Hero. Take it easy. That's my hero. Um, but going Go back, back to what Ray was saying, I definitely agree with you on all of the points. I just think it's going to take a little bit for people to stop associating that check mark with somebody that's famous or extremely credible. And I think that. I think the concept is right, and the blue check mark should stay as a symbol of the legitimacy factor. Like the Buffalo Bills actual Twitter should have a blue check mark. And I, with 500 followers on Twitter, should have a purple check mark or a yellow check mark. Okay. All right. To prove that I, I subscribe, I'm a legitimate user, I'm not a bot. Yeah. Like a differentiate like business or an organization or yeah. something. And then individual. Exactly. And I think that's what Elon has in mind. Um, and he's hinted a little bit on it. Um, and I do think that this is going to end up working out. It's just going to take a little time. And you, they've definitely showed the public that they're working on it because they pushed the date back twice now, not being interested in releasing it till it's 
hundred percent working because they got quick backlash, which I think is good that they were quick to take it off and understand what was going wrong and not try and be like, screw it. We're right. Like, let's keep pushing through. It shows that they care and they are trying to make it work. Um, and with that, Elon did allow Trump back on the platform, which after, after a poll, yeah, like 15 which, million votes. Here's the thing about the poll that I love. I think million. it was actually 17 million in 24 hours. 17 million in 24 hours? I mean, yeah, polls cut off after like 24 hours. So it could have been yeah. much more than that. But like it was either 15 to 17 million people that voted within that 24 hour period, which is nuts. Yeah, everybody, nuts. everybody was really quick to say like, did Elon really just use a poll on Twitter to allow him back on? Like what happened to the whole governance? And, and people weren't looking at the big picture. He was going to bring him back no matter what because he was very adamant on giving somebody a chance if they technically hadn't broken any laws. And after that issue that happened on January 6th, he hadn't done anything in the two years prior. I mean, the two years that came after that. So there was no point in leaving him banned. And they can always reban him if he goes out and acts out. But people didn't, didn't think about that with using the poll, he allowed the people to voice their opinion, which was cool. Tons of people voting. And it was pretty close. Trump barely won. I think it was like 52% to 48. Um, but he used a huge trap for bots. If anybody was going to deploy bots on Twitter, why would they not put them towards that poll? Now he's able to get all the data on all the accounts that voted on it see the accounts, study the bots. So I think that was great because he was going to let him on anyways, or he was going to not let him on if enough people voted, um, which was fair. Twitter on top of that. What? It was great PR for Twitter. Like, yeah, great PR for Twitter. He also used, he, something that people don't know is that Trump has a deal with the social media platform, Truth Social. That's his social media platform. If he leaves that platform and goes to Twitter, he crumbles that company. That's the only thing backing them. And the only thing backing the SPAC that that company released publicly with, which I think Digital is- Digital World Acquisition. Yeah. And so he either had the choice, A, crumble my social media company and go back to Twitter, or hold strong, I'm invested in this company. 90% chance he was gonna stay with True Social. So Elon Musk not only was able to put the poll out, study the bots, brought him on the platform and let him back to get all of that influx of people on Twitter saying, Oh my God, is he going to tweet? Like what's going on? So he's stress testing his servers and his software with the new lean team after all the layoffs and people walking out, he's testing the product at its peak level of usage with its brand new business model and new workforce. And now with that, he also proved to people that he will do what he said because everybody was criticizing him. It's been three weeks. Where's Trump? It's been three weeks. Where's this person? And he was able to accomplish all these things pretty silently. And people just looked at it like, oh, he brought Trump back on the platform. But I think there was a lot more strategy behind it um, because he wouldn't do anything not calculated like that. And then at the end of it all, Trump's not going to come on the platform and we know how people are in America. Give it two, three months of nothing going on, and it's old news. 
So not only will he have been able to do all of these tests and things like that, he will have continued the streak of Twitter hitting peak usage. It's for the last three weeks, it's continued to peak at its new high. He's going to have no effect in the next three months because everybody will be back that wasn't there because they're like, why am I not going to use it? And then all of these companies that are pulling out on advertising, some have already come back. Like I think CBS was back in like three days after saying they're not on. If he's confident in his product, all of these companies will be forced to use Twitter if it's a good quality product because competition is competition. If Twitter is advertising and Twitter's platform is putting out amazing numbers for competitors, you have to go compete. If it is giving your competitor the leg up, at the end of the day, it's a business and you have to produce a profit. So they will return back to the platform. They have to. So I think that he was pretty calculated in this, bringing him back and, and using forget, this. Don't forget who else is back. Kanye West. You know, that's interesting because what you just said also relates to what's happening in Qatar right now, right? Because these companies, you know, they have certain social barriers that they're not willing to cross because it's a bad image typically on the corporation. You know what I mean? Um, However, you're talking about the religion, uh, I guess for certain companies, I guess it's a conflict. Well, not not specifically religion, but in Qatar, they're very anti-gay. You know what I mean? So corporations that are going to, you know, specifically with the World Cup, when they're going to go advertise over there, they're implicitly, implicitly um, affirming that belief, right? However, however, it's a business. It's competitive. You have to compete with that. So whether or not it's a bad look for your company, like you've got to go in there and you're going to upset some shareholders. You're going to upset some consumers, but... Otherwise, this company is going to have a leg up on you, and, and what, what what can you do to stop that? Other than you're, you're going to have a bad, you have a bad image for a little while. People will forget about it. People forget about things so quick. Nobody pays attention to that. Tons of these companies have all had times of turmoil and issues where things come out. Nobody remembers shit. So somebody's going to go get the money. And deal with the headwinds and the bad media that comes with it for a month or two until the story's old and we're on to the next issue. And that company now is 100 million richer and dealt with paying their PR team extra money for two months to defuse the fire. So, and then lastly, I thought something funny just because we talked about it on the last one to round off the um, Twitter convo, I think two episodes ago. Those uh, fake laid-off engineers, Ligma Johnson, Elon Musk actually brought them back to the headquarters and took a picture with his arms around both of them um, and posted it saying, biggest mistake I – something like, biggest mistake I ever made, best employees we've ever had. And again, another media company completely not paying attention to what happened two weeks ago and that it was a joke and that all these companies got clowned ran like an eight minute live video segment where the hosts of this public news company are talking to each other about how they saw on Twitter that Elon realized his mistakes and is bringing back all of these quality workers that he laid off for no reason. That might have been intentional. No, 
Oh, no. You mean from the media? Yeah, it might have been that. Yeah, I mean, but they were dead serious. All all press is good press in their eyes. Yeah. Well, if they did it wrong, good for them, but they came off pretty stupid because they were like. They definitely definitely got viewership off that. Yeah. (laughs) So, whatever. Hey, hey, to each his own. If it worked, go for it. But you look stupid because. I mean, dude, Elon is just notoriously a troll. He just is. He's using his Twitter and the way he tweets. And the way he rattles up the crowd and things like that, to his advantage so much right now, Twitter is just I mean, doing dude, like, numbers around the current, like what it used to be to what it is now. The amount of usage, time people spend on it. And I would say between us three, I probably use Twitter the most, like from an active Twitter and Twitter user and stuff like that, just because... I like, I like to try new products, and once Elon took over, I, I, th- I think there is going to be a, a pretty big opportunity from the content creation standpoint on Twitter, um, because they are going to. I mean, for people that don't know, sorry, there's a plane going over. So it happens when you record. Outside. <laughs> a lot of airspace, a lot of active airspace out here. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, Twitter is going to bring on long-form content where they want to start with 45-minute videos and continue to move in that direction, they will be a direct competitor to YouTube who has no competitors right now, um, which I think is going to be extremely interesting. And there's so many celebrities that continue to weigh in on these situations. And you're seeing some of Twitter's main people talking to celebrities like Mark Cuban, David Sachs, who's a friend of Elon, part of the PayPal team back in the day, is helping Elon with the trans transition and you're seeing him and him and Mark Cuban go back and forth every day on the app about ideas. And now within two weeks, Mark Cuban's helping out kind of giving ideas on the platform. So you're seeing people charting to rally around the opportunity um, because it's potentially a very untapped social media market when there's not that much untapped space in this area and the biggest companies in the world all have some type of element of content creation, um, video streaming, that type of thing. So I think people should take note. And if you if you like the platform, use it and start to get antiquated with the new features. And just off a personal experience with what I was saying to last point here from the Twitter Blue about it allowing, if I pay for Twitter Blue, it gives me a better chance to get in touch with a high up person in my field, somebody with a big following, networking and branding and stuff like that. My favorite podcast personally is the All In Podcast. I think it's amazing. Um, and the host, Jason Kalikanakis, Cow, tweets a lot. He uses Twitter a lot. And I, I like his tweets. So I comment on certain things. One week into having the Twitter, and he has like 700,000 followers on Twitter. One week into the Twitter blue, he tweeted saying that because he's a venture capitalist. So he's saying in the last three weeks, he has never seen better deals come onto his plate from just quality founders, hungry and ready to rock and roll with good, solid companies. So I asked, does he think that has to do with the tech layoffs and just the layoffs across the industry of all of these quality workers popping into the field? And he responded and reached back out and gave me his four or five points. And I think that definitely had to do with me being verified and him seeing me in that special mention section. So 
I, we're definitely going to keep you guys up to date on Twitter and its situation and how it's kind of going. But I think that it is personally heading in the right direction. And the platform, I think it's going to shock some people how quickly, because Elon's been able to slash costs, get ready to head towards profitability while implementing tons of different features and areas all within three weeks. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think this, I think this shows something this whole Twitter situation struggling with uh, capitalism as a whole. So it took Elon, no, what was it, like 50 billion? What was the deal? 55 billion? 44 billion. 40. So it took him 44 billion to break into a market where there's not a lot of competition as far as like options out there. Like there's literally, when you think of social media, man, I think it's like, one handful of, of, of people you think of, of companies you think of. Yeah. That's because they hold so much power at that level that in order to break in, it takes that much money. And, you know, the other the other way is like a slow and steady grind to build up. And yeah. That doesn't work in the social media industry. It just doesn't because all the other big companies made themselves so that they crush you the second you try to enter. Unless you're Elon Musk and you have the $44 billion and also got great ideas. And so, you know, it's, it says a lot because, like you just said, YouTube doesn't have any competitors. None. Why? Because they're so big. Nobody can, nobody can get close to them. But Elon, it's going to be interesting to see because he's, if there's someone that can get close to them, it's Elon. From a, from a legal perspective, I think, I think it's really interesting on, uh, regarding Twitter Blue. I saw cause Twitter Blue lets you post clips of, like, videos of, like, pretty – significant length right like you could post like a that's the thing you're going to be able to post up to 45 minutes i don't right, think that so that's confirmed yet but you've already got additional time than before dude i was on my timeline the other day someone had twitter blue there was a full 10 minute episode of spongebob like from start to finish i mean not nice that is outright copyright infringement like like they like they are going to get sued for that like like if they continue to do that if they continue those practices if they don't moderate that correctly and they don't like prohibit that kind of stuff from happening they will get sued and like it, it'll be a significant problem for them continuously over and over again i'm taking intellectual property right now and i can tell you that is textbook copyright infringement <laughs> like without not nice SpongeBob's awesome. so like nice. spongebob is awesome it, it was a good episode too i watched it i watched it on there so I guess I'm complicit in that, but um, it was it, it. I could see that being a potential problem where, you know, I mean, YouTube is constantly litigation for copyright infringement. You know, they have they they allow people to post full length movies on their platform that sometimes are not regulated, and that costs them a lot of money, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. I know, I know of litigation on YouTube right now that it's just yeah, it's airspace. This airspace is nuts today, man. Since we're by the sea, you know, what's that aerial view? <laughs> um, I know YouTube dishes up billions of dollars in copyright claims. And if Twitter is subject to that same thing, Twitter really could really be hurting Twitter overall more than it, more than it would be helping it, I think. Yeah, like, I think there's going to be, uh, just cause to round it off and move to the next topic, I think there's going to be a lot of hiccups and that's normal especially when you're bringing a completely new product to market um so i think that they're going to be fine i think they're going to 
obviously deal with the headaches and things like this that we're talking about. But in the long term, I think it's going to be a, a really good platform. I think it's extremely unique. I don't think they have any competitor right now when it comes to just the ability to post how you feel in real time, get news, communicate with people you probably never had a chance to talk to, um, and kind of be this town hall, this social network of knowledge and opportunity. Because like I said, I reached out to this guy who I probably would not have gotten an answer in DM or been that annoying person that pesters him daily with, Hey, how are you doing? Reach out. Hey, what's up? I just tweeted my thought on what he said. And we had a conversation quickly on the app, which I think is extremely unique because you do have that ability to constantly be able to communicate with these people and gain this knowledge and possibly set yourself up with opportunities you didn't have before. Um, with that, we'll kind of just wrap up and we'll keep updating you guys along the way and kind of end this thing with letting Ray give us a little round off on sports. All right. Um, some interesting topics, I think. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about the intersect between law and sports. I think it's kind of an interesting topic. And most people, it kind of raises my eyebrows a little bit. Um, reluctantly, I'm going to talk about the World Cup. I'm not a soccer fan, but I do realize how worldwide soccer is. So, I mean, I have to, I have to, I have to mention it. Um, basketball. I honestly have not been paying attention to basketball at all, dude. Like, yeah, it's like fine. Not even close. I know that no he are not playing at the beginning of the season. I know, yeah, I know that he have a negative record. They just lost to the Timberwolves. What's the, um, what's the latest on, um, on rowing? On who? The rowing classics. <laughs> the rowing classics. Yeah. Same as the field hockey. <laughs> um, uh, football, you know, Dolphins at the top of the AFC East. Hey, Number first episode, we can't give you all a little fins up because it was a bye week. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hey, I, put, I put it up number two seed in the playoffs. Um, super happy about it. Uh, this is super random, but my dad wants to be on the podcast. Um, and I think that this episode would particularly, he would have been really interested in just because of all the cigar talk. And, yeah. and the way that we led the business discussion because my dad's also a business owner. We're getting so, Big Ray on the podcast, yeah, guys. Don't worry. We're, we're going to bring some knowledge. Did that Big Ray. Yeah. So he's a, he'll be on here eventually. You'll, you'll see his beautiful head, and, and he'll, he'll, he'll spit some knowledge to you guys. But, um, yeah, man, uh, last week in the NFL, any upsets? Um, the, Lions, mm -hmm. the Lions beat the, the Giants? The Lions beat the Giants. The Vikings got absolutely pummeled by the Dallas Cowboys, forty to three. The Vikings were eight and one, one of the best offenses in the NFL up to this point. I like watching the Vikings lose, though. Yeah, I mean they're not a great team. They have a good offense. I think Kirk Cousins gets a little more hype than he deserves. Um, but I mean they have targets. They have good guys. Their defense isn't that great. Dude, um, the the Vikings O line was just not. Not there during the last game. Yeah, they were just Kirk getting Cousins obliterated. Was, yeah, he, he got, got sacked eight, eight times. Dude, he had three seconds off the football every Yeah. I mean, the Dallas defense is middle of the pack, but they have some they have some playmakers, Micah Parsons being one of them. Last year, I think he was the defensive player of the year. 
Um, Dude, Micah Parsons is the most talented defensive lineman, or probably the most talented defensive player I've ever seen play football. I mean, he's he's ridiculous. Like he's he's actually ridiculous. So. I mean, as as a former offensive lineman, like on each play of offense, I pay attention to the line. I want to see what the line's doing. I want to see how they're blocking. I want to see what type what type of blocks are doing. Whether they're you know they're sliding that they're in, in kind of like a zone or or if they're initiating getting a second level. Dude, Micah Parsons just absolutely fucks up the entire offensive line's game plan. Like, you can't game plan against him. He's so fast. I think he ran, like, the fastest 40 by a defensive lineman ever. What do you think he weighs? He has to be, like, 260. got to be, like, 250, 260, just lean. Um, yeah, but um, Cowboys just mopped on them, boys. I didn't start their defense. I started uh, in fantasy. I didn't start their defense. I started the Ravens' defense, who actually only scored one more point. Scored you twenty points though, like they had a ridiculous performance. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. I I I didn't start the Cowboys defense because I expected you know, the Vikings to kind oh, of yeah, you know yeah. be competitive with them. Um, so I started the Ravens defense. The Ravens mopped up on the Panthers. Um, but um, oh, an interesting stat. Listen to this: every team that has played the Panthers has lost their next game. Okay. No, not, not not play. I'm sorry. Every team that has beat the Panthers has lost. Has their lost next their game. following game, even if it's a bye. Like if they beat the Panthers, have a bye, they're going to lose that next week. Isn't that crazy, dude? So, so I give kudos to the people that pay attention to this. I know. Shit. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So like, if the Ravens lose next week or this week, dude, I don't know what I don't know what the deals with the Panthers, but them boys. Oh, uh, biggest upset. Was in our fantasy league last, last week. Oh, screw you. I was projected 147. My boy Ray had 153. My boy Kittle went off. George Kittle, just like garbage time TD, dude, at the end of the game. Like, didn't like he, like, scoring that would have done nothing, like, no significance to the game. Like, they were going to win anyways. Huh? Yeah, I know he did. I danced my way to the most points. For anybody that doesn't know, our fantasy league pays out for most points every week. So Nick, who has, I think, six. taken most points six times, um, which is by far the leader in the league. Ray was hoping that he was going to have his time to shine with his first. His first was last week. He was about to have about to be a back-to-back week for Ray, back-to-back most points week for Ray. And Nick seemed to steal it from him at the so end So disappointing. So disappointing. Um, oh. Uh, and the thing is, like, I hate sending Nick that Zell on, on Tuesday. I hate it. I've done it so many times, dude. I'm, I'm in the same place every time that I do it. It just feels like deja vu every time that I'm doing it. I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. Someone needs to, to score more points than Nick. It's, I'm done. I'm done with our fantasy league. I'm not, I'm not, there's no chance I make the playoffs. It's, it, whatever. I'm over it. I'm just, I'm used to losing in fantasy at this point. It's, Let's try to, Try to get the Zell again this week. <laughs> Are you going to be here? Are you going to be here in Miami? For what? For the end of this week in fantasy? Uh, I leave Sunday night. Okay. Yeah, at least Sunday It's night. Monday, Monday, though, Monday. Yeah. Fins game? You about the Fins game on Sunday? Yeah. Fins up. You guys see that face? That face is like, mm, I, need, I need a solid commitment from Nick. Nick, Nick asking him to make an on-the-spot commitment. Yeah, knowing yeah. what he's doing Sunday. There you go. There it is. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, he's going to wake up at ten thirty on Sunday. 
He's going he's gonna, to, on a typical Sunday, wake up at 10.30, maybe head to Cigar Cigar for a little while, hang out with Miguel. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Uh, I know he watches football on Sunday because he actually, like, like, we'll get on COD. We play COD a lot. We love playing COD together. We've been so ripping funny. up COD. When we're, when, we're not, when we're not together, like, playing COD is, like, one of the – aside from doing this, it's, like, one of the ways that we're able to, like, hang out, essentially. Yeah. So. Shout out so, Jeter too. He's on our he's on our COD slide. When he's gone too, it kind of lets Nick and I are spoiled. We're always together, but Jeter and Ray are typically out. Um, our mobile members of the team. Boston, yeah. yeah. The best thing was me talking Jeter into buying a gaming laptop for uh, <laughs> for Amazon Prime Day. And it's the best purchase he's made. Yeah, he said, he it. said it, it is. He said it is. He gets to play everywhere with us now because he's always on the road. Um, but with that, I am going to take away our oh, hot I, take. I, I didn't finish the sports, man. Oh, what do you have? Oh, my God. Oh, my Take God. What other sport do you have? This guy's cutting me off. You said you're done in fantasy. I said I want to talk about the World Cup. U.S. played Wales. They so we tied. tied. So now they're playing England, which is probably going to be an L. That was rough. Um, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Argentina, the heavy favorite. And I want to say DraftKings absolutely exploded with excitement when that loss happened. 25% of all of the money bet on DraftKings for the World Cup was made up of people betting Argentina to win the whole thing. So they're gonna have a good quarter. Yeah, DraftKings is hype. DraftKings is hype. Wow. My God. Uh, and leave in the, in the comments, comments, guys. I know they ended up uh, two, yeah, forty-eight hours before uh, before the uh, the World Cup started. They took out all the beer sales from within the stadium. There was still beer available, but just not within the stadium. And the beers in the stadium were gonna cost you. 93 U.S. dollars. No, that was that was the, the most expensive bar in Qatar was, was going to charge $93 beers. Oh. But I got something interesting. I don't know if you saw that yet. With the Bud, So Budweiser signed a contract with the World Cup, $75 million for the beer at the stadium, and two days before, Qatar banned it. Qatar bought the beer already, so it's not on Budweiser's back. They were willing to take the $75 million loss. So Budweiser announced, instead of selling that product again, that whoever wins the World Cup, they will send all that beer to that country and put on a party for the World Cup championship to repurpose the beer. So that's hard, that's, hard dude. that's pretty awesome. That's not only is it great PR, but it's such a cool concept that and American brand, baby. Yeah, come on, America's beer, Budweiser, baby. Um, yeah, I love that. I'll answer that for you. Fuck no. Absolutely not under no circumstances. Absolutely not. Get the fuck up out of here. Um, what else? What else? No Dolphins play Texas this week. Should be an easy win. We're, we're not worried about that. Whatever. Who cares? Uh, what I did want to talk about briefly was Odell Beckham Jr. Um, he is suing Nike. Uh-huh. Is his uh, Nike is his is who he's contracted with for all of his gear? You know, he has like his own 
merch and stuff like that. Um, so Odell Beckham Jr. signed with uh, Nike a forty-eight million dollar possible a possible forty-eight million dollar eight-year contract with Nike. Um, and in order to attain that forty-eight million, that full forty-eight million, there are certain uh, selling requirements that he had to that he had to meet. You know what I mean? So the total value of the contract was worth forty-eight million. Um, and like I said, to get there, he had to sell whatever. Like his product just had to move. Um, Odell made the Pro Bowl three years, his first three years in the league. Didn't make it after that. You know, he got hurt, went to the Browns, went to uh, L.A. And now he's claiming a breach of the covenant of good faith on his contract because he's alleging that Nike um, – didn't market his like basically Nike precluded him from being able to meet those those clauses in the contract. Like he stopped he stopped being like that superstar because Odell was like the face of the NFL yeah. for a while after that, that catch and stuff like that. Like he was he was. I think like, the anniversary yeah. of that catch was yesterday or today. Actually, was it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I love that, um, but. He was the face of the NFL for a long time, so obviously Nike was incentivized to sign this huge deal with him. Um, and ever since then, I guess his play has, in a way, declined. Like he's not the same level of superstar that he previously was. So Nike, I guess, he's alleging that they just were not marketing his product and that precluded him from being able to meet those things. So he's suing Nike for $20 million in Oregon State Court. That's um, crazy. It should be really, it should be really interesting. Should be interesting. Yeah, it should be really, really interesting. Because that's where Nike's headquartered. Right. Well, the the question is, it's like, why didn't they put it into federal court, right? Because maybe it has to start would, there. Certainly, they they would have met the. No, it doesn't have to start there. They would have met the requirements to get into state court. Um, or I'm sorry, into federal court. So I find it pretty interesting that they didn't go straight to federal court. They went to state court. Uh, I don't know, but maybe that's some kind of litigation tactic that I'm just not privy to. I, I, don't, I don't really know. It could, it could be for a quicker settlement. Maybe, you know, he's asking for 20 million, but maybe he'll settle for 12, 13. I don't know. Um, the requirements to get into, into, into federal court aren't ex extremely difficult. There's not a very high, a high bar for that or a high threshold for that. Um, so it should be really interesting and just moving on with like future deals that Nike has with other athletes. And, you know, like this could set a standard, like if they are found to, or if they do, if they are found to have precluded him from reaching that level of, of sales, um, it should be, it should be pretty interesting. Um, sports, that's sports, baby. Yeah. I'm putting it on you to keep us updated on that case because yeah. that's, that's your Ray Law, Ray Law. So Ray Law. I will end it with a hot take here. Um, slightly controversial question. Okay. Um, and we'll do it kind of differently. I'm just going to say the question, give my quick opinion. And then I want to give each of you a minute just to kind of give me your opinion. Yeah, one minute, give me your quick, concise opinion, and then we'll wrap things up. So something that's been in the media a lot with this World Cup situation, a lot of people in Qatar are attempting to wear um, gay pride 
shirts, patches, reporters, and things like that to the game, and they're not being allowed in. In Qatar, it is extremely illegal to be gay. That is their religion. That is the way they operate in that country. Do you think it is wrong for them to discriminate against those people? Or do you think that they have the right in their country to enforce their religion? And it seems that our media, at least in the United States, is taking the hardcore stance um, of saying that these people are heroes. Jesus, bro, stop touching that thing. I hear you. Yeah. Um, the media is labeling these people as heroes for trying to do this. So I want to hear your opinion on that. And I'll just go to start my opinion. And one, I want to say there's nothing against gay people. I believe that you should be able to be with whoever you like and whatever makes you happy, you should do. But when entering into someone else's country, I don't think you have the right to enforce what you think is correct against what their beliefs are and what their country is structured on. You're a guest in their country. You had the choice to go or not. So I don't think these people are heroes. I think that it's, I don't want to use the wrong word, but I think that it's wrong to try and impose what your beliefs are on this country because that's what you think is right. I don't think that America and these other countries that are okay with this, which is perfectly fine, which I am happy that people are allowed to live their life and be happy. I don't think that that is the model for the whole world. And people forget that other countries operate on their own beliefs and their own culture. So I personally think it's wrong and they shouldn't be allowed because you should follow the rules. And if it's extremely offensive to them, that's not right. So you guys, whichever one of you wants to go first, a minute, minute, 30 seconds, give me your take on what you think. So I think Americans are used to embracing people's beliefs, unless they're like radical or dangerous because we have all different kinds of people here. So. Generally, uh, I would say that this is a this is a pretty accepting country on the scale of being accepting and non-accepting. And you know, if you if you're gay or if you have any belief that goes against the uh, the Quran, man, don't go there. Exactly. Don't go there. It's like it's like um, I guess it's like Brittany Griner. She brought she brought weed to Russia, and she's paying a massive sentence for bringing it whereas if she did that here in america maybe she'd get fine and that's about it so you got to know where you got to know honestly you got to know where you're accepted where certain things are accepted and where you're not because it could end up it could end up like literally hurting you or just like really severely affecting your life um and you know when it comes to a religion uh the, you know this is a this is a very old faith right just like most religions they, they've been the uh i guess the, the laws of the religion or the beliefs have been set for years and years and years and years so you know to try to like forcefully change something that's so ingrained in the culture um 
I don't I don't think it's totally safe and I don't think it's the smartest either. And I really think you just gotta there's a place there is a place for everyone and that might not be the place for, for people who are gay and I think you know, trying to go and muscle their way in there, I don't think it's very smart. Yeah, and I think also because what you meant there was if you're gay, that's fine, but you don't have to be showing it and trying to force the branding and things like that because that's the issue. They they just don't want the branding and things like that. They're not asking you if you're gay, straight, single, married, but you trying to force that display in a country where it's extremely not okay, I think that's where the issue is. Because I don't want you to come off and say that it's not a place for you if you're gay, because it is. If you're there, like you can be a fan and be there, but be respectful of. And the thing is, most of the people that are that are going there, they number one, they probably don't don't want to live there and have no plans to move there. Number two, they probably can't live there. Yeah, like it's it's hard to get citizenship in in certain places in the Middle East and. Um, you, you know, know it's, it's kind, kind of just like, like, like again, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to muscle their beliefs in and when, when they have no intention of really going there much, yeah. this is just for this event and they probably are from the States or maybe from Europe or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, All right. I think it's not worth it. We'll pass it over to Ray to wrap us up. I, I certainly understand the sentiment behind it, right? Like injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. So people see this as an injustice and they're attempting to rectify it through, you know, using their active voice, using, using methods of, of some kind of social platform to show that this is a wrong. I think it's important to recognize that you are an invited guest to this country. You're not going to go to North Korea and tout an American flag. You're not going to go to Iraq and wear a shirt with, George Bush on it. You know what I mean? Um, Unless your goal is to be as controversial as possible and not care I mean, the thing is, you, you need to, you, exactly, like, so, like, what you were saying, like, you're in the wrong forum for this. You're in the wrong place to start doing this, number one. Number two, it's going to fall upon deaf ears because they are firm on their belief through their religion that this is a wrong. You wearing an armband with a rainbow on it is not going to change that belief. And it actually undermines their belief. That's something that they strongly believe in. So, I mean, I mean, like, unless and I were trying to think of an equivalent of if we were hosting the World Cup, what would someone do? And we couldn't think of it. The United States is an extremely open country. Like Nick said. As of recently, we're very accepting. You know what I mean? Like, we, we legalized gay marriage, like, not that long ago. But, yeah. like, we, we are you know, starting to become a pretty open country within kind of like a liberal mindset. And I don't think that we should, you know, be pushing that on countries that don't want it. Like this country is very set on their ways, on their religion. They take it extremely seriously. So I think that you're in the wrong form for it. I understand the sentiment. I totally do, right? You love who you love and that's what it is. And you're perfectly allowed to do that. But you you shouldn't be doing it in a country where it's punished. You shouldn't be going yeah. to Russia wearing a gay flag because that you will be punished and you need to recognize that, that this, it may be an injustice in the United States, but this is a normal event in this country. This is a 
everyday common belief that you wearing a sleeve is not going to change that for them. Yeah. Like you said, a good, it falls on deaf ears, deaf ears. Like they're not going to change They're not, yeah, they're not going to change their views. They're very set on it. So I totally understand it, but I think it's disrespectful to them in a way because if, if you're very Catholic, right. That's like someone coming up to you and just completely undermining your religion. Yeah. Which you're allowed to do in this country. Right. But like, it's just not socially acceptable. It's like you, it's like you going to, um, I can't even think of a different religion right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you, you, get, you the, get what I'm saying. Yeah, you get the gist. You're, you're, you're undermining a main pillar of their, of their religion. Just be respectful of people's beliefs. Be respectful to their religion because we were raised differently. We were raised in a different climate, different environment, different country where things are generally, we live different lives. Right. Right. Not always the same. Not always the same. All right. I know that's slightly controversial. So if you guys are listening and got to this point, one, thank you. Um, but let us know what you think below. Like, let us know what your stance is, what your opinion. We're coming to time here. Um, this will be the kind of wrap to episode four, our first in-person episode. I thought it was awesome. Love being here with you guys, smoking some cigars. Shout out to our first sponsor, El Mago Cigars. Hit the website. Use, Use the code Theresa Crowd. Read the story. Enjoy, enjoy the, brand. the brand. I think you you really will enjoy it. Um, any, any last words, words from you guys, guys to wrap, wrap it up, up here? here? I am elated to be here. I missed you guys. I can't wait to uh, feast in a little Friendsgiving and play some football tomorrow, baby. Yep. We're, we're participating in Turkey Bowl and we're gonna fucking win. <laughs> And that's it. That's it, guys. Thank Thank you. you.